freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to episode number 95. I don't think that's right. I think we're on 98. We are so close to our 100th episode. It is. We can taste it, but I, my notes are telling me 95. I think I lied to my no. own self. I don't think it's 90. It's past 95. <laughs> I think it's 98 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. We have a great lineup today. Our theme is honoring our veterans. Yes. So, you know, uh, Veterans Day is just around the corner, of course. And so I wanted to bring on several people who are veterans or love our veterans. And so the theme is honoring our veterans. Well, one way we do that is that we make their sacrifice worth it. And when I flip on the news and I hear the endless bickering back and forth between the political parties, not in order to make America better, but merely for political gain, I start to feel discouraged that we have sent the nation's children off to fight and bleed and die for talking points. One example that struck me especially hard recently was when I heard that Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer stated that he wants the Democratic Party to stay away from the topic of gun control. Now, you might think that someone like me would be happy, someone who is passionate about protecting my Second Amendment rights. Maybe I'd be happy to hear Chuck Schumer signal to his party to stand down on the topic to not push any new gun laws and not and to put their energies toward putting maybe the thumb of big government over citizens in some other way or something like that but instead of being happy i was dumbfounded to see them let their curtain fall away so carelessly They let us all see the man behind the curtain pulling levers and pumping out billows of smoke like the wizard of D.C. And as I sat there with incredulous shock, I don't know why we all, Republicans, Libertarians, Democrats alike, didn't collectively stand up and reel in righteous indignation against the insult of it all. Allow me to explain. We constantly hear the Democratic Party and other rights restrictors weep with their big crocodile tears about how we must make it more difficult for people to own guns. They want to make it uncool, less affordable, less convenient, and less legal, all in the name, they say, of saving lives. But now... It's time for the campaigning to wrap up and the elections are just around the corner and suddenly they are telling their members to stop talking about guns and stop taking measures to restrict access to those tools. So, if the politicians really believed their own party line that restricting access to firearms was about saving lives, And they really thought that these measures, that they are constantly trying to push down the American public's throats, were for the true purpose of saving lives. Then doesn't it stand to reason that they would never, ever back away from that? And yet, in the name of winning political seats, they are. So... What we now know with 100% clarity is that gun control isn't about saving lives or perhaps the Democratic Party suddenly doesn't care about the lives of children. What is 100% clear is that all they care about is winning 
elections. It's just a big game. These people who would disarm you, Mr. and Mrs. America. Remember Dianne Feinstein is infamous for saying, turn them all in with an outright ban, quote, unquote, speaking about how she would take your tools of self-defense away if only she had the power to. The people who would shred your constitutional right to self-defense, to them, it is nothing more than a political game. They are moving and manipulating chess pieces with your family's lives at stake. We have to be better than this. America has to mean more and stand for more than let's just say whatever will get our team elected. Well, thankfully, we can protect what we value when we realize who is on the side of freedom and who is merely interested in getting votes. And we can restore our faith in what is good about our nation and be uplifted and encouraged when we meet today's guests. Patriots, each one, devoted to faith, family, and protecting the tenets of our founding documents. Dan? Just sounds like a bunch of control to me. Well, gun control is about control, not the guns. We've, we've heard that. We've said that. But remember, it's for the children. Apparently not. It's for the votes. Right. So. And, you know, every one of them say they just want one little step. They're taking one step to make a bigger step to make a bigger step to eventually just remove us from owning right. guns. Nancy Pelosi right. said, as it, quote, unquote, again, as much. She hopes that it is um, the landslide towards complete confiscation and, and control. But let's talk about our guests. We have a great lineup today. We have Andy Brown. He's the author of Warnings Unheeded, Twin Tragedies at Fairfoot, Fairfield Air Force Base. Fair Andy Child, isn't it? Fair, Fair I'm sorry, Fair Child Air Force Base. I'm sorry, I still haven't had my coffee yet. <laughs> Andy is a tin coffee, Dan. Oh, oh, that's okay, so I'm okay then. <laughs> Andy is a 10-year veteran of the Air Force and was a law enforcement specialist, and he will be here with us to look at our history to understand violence and mental illness, leadership and accountability, trauma and recovery. Mm -hmm. We also have Kelsey Williams, Vice President of CMG Marketing and Events. Kelsey is the leading manager in organizing SHOT Show Industries Day at the Range, which was awesome last year. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to that CMG co-owns the, the, this event and um, they are experts in the event management, media planning, and public relations support for clients in the outdoor hunting, shooting, defense, and law enforcement markets. In our second hour, we have Michael Rodriguez. He's a retired special foray sniper and medic who was deployed nine times over 21 years. A proponent of art therapy after getting injured during his last deployment, Rod turned to blacksmithing to aid in his recovery. Rod is also known as as only a handful of people who've had their portrait painted by our 43rd president of the United States, George W. Bush. I, I didn't know that he even painted. painted. I know, no. and it's so cool. I, we got a, Cassie and I got a chance to go uh, to that museum, <coughs> uh, library and museum, when we were in Dallas for the NRA Women's Leadership Summit uh, just maybe a month ago. And Rod's likeness is hanging in the George W. Bush Presidential Library and Museum. And it also graces the cover of a book titled Portraits of Courage, a Commander-in-Chief's Tribute to America's Warriors. And I, we got to meet Rod and we got a selfie with him. And he's just a super great guy. And I'm, I'm very excited that he's coming on the show today. We also have Frank DeSoma. He's uh, owner of Patriot Ordnance Factory, which is P-O-F-U-S-A which was the first company to take the gas piston AR-15 to market and has been leading the way with their revolutionary platform innovations ever since. They just had built a brand new facility in Arizona and are geared up for their grand opening, and I can't wait to go to that. I know. I'm so excited that uh, the timing of this show just worked out that way. And we will also have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's commentary maybe 
Uh, well, if my um, response to my armed citizen report is as long as my opener, who knows? I, we may not yeah, get there. I get the extra time, if there is extra time. And usually if Cheryl says hello, it's over. <laughs> it's over I'm with. not going to be able to say anything. I'm taking command. Um, so, you know, here in Arizona, the weather is just now actually becoming less summer. And I've seen across the nation that some places it's already like full-on serious snowing. Um, so when I, I wrote this next little piece, um, you know, maybe where you are, the weather isn't necessarily nice, but for us here in the West, the weather is getting nice and it's time to get those guns cleaned up. Uh, we at azfirearms.com have hired a new gunsmith, Cliff Hike, and he is just so talented and we are having a firearm inspection and cleaning special for only thirty nine ninety five. You can't count on your firearm when you need it unless you take care of it. And even if you can't get your gun, you're not local enough to us to get your gun to us and to Cliff to take care of it, keep in mind that now is the time. Get it in, get it cleaned up so that it is ready for the hunt. It's ready for self-defense if you, God forbid, should need it. Take care of your firearms. So, Cheryl, you're saying uh, winter's here for Arizona as soon as it gets 98 or below that's winter you get the jackets out <laughs> but remember that's only for three days this is true so we gotta we gotta live it up three days before it's back up to 120 degrees yep so all right well stick around because we do have an amazing show where it is our hope that we will be honoring our veterans stick around Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Pot of Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at potofgoldestate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I am asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun? Absolutely. azfirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. azfirearms.com is Knoll Town Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit azfirearms.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, our theme today is honoring our veterans, and our first guest is a veteran, and we thank him for his service. Andy Brown is the author of Warnings Unheeded, Twin Tragedies at Fairchild Air Force Base. Andy's a 10-year veteran of the Air Force as a law enforcement specialist. Warnings Unheeded is a true story of one tragic week at Fairchild Air Force Base. An active shooter terrorized a base hospital, and a talented but reckless pilot crashed a B-52 bomber near the flight line. Not only is Andy the officer who stopped the murderer in one of these events that occurred 
on the base. He ended the killing spree with a 70-yard shot from his Beretta M9 pistol. He has also authored the book in vivid and thoroughly researched detail to give us an unprecedented look at a mass murderer in the making and dispels the myth that these incidents are random acts of violence committed without warning by otherwise normal individuals. Andy, welcome to the show. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Dan's here as well. I, I rarely give him a chance to get two words in, but we're, we'll try. Andy, thanks for <laughs> right. uh, thanks for coming on the show today. I, I uh, thumbed through your book. It's I can't wait to start reading it. I don't read that often, but there's some. that's a fantastic book. So oh, Thank you, Dan. Absolutely. And I thought, you know, let's just start with, you know, you. You know, you were there. Give us kind of an overview of these incidents. Okay, sure. They happened in 1994. I had been a law enforcement specialist, a patrolman for the Air Force for about five years, and was stationed at Fairchild Air Force Base when we had two tragedies that unfolded within one week of each other. It was the, we had an active shooter, it was a former airman who had mental health problems. He went through our base hospital. He was there to seek revenge against a psychologist and psychiatrist who he blamed for his eventual discharge from the Air Force. And he ended up killing them and then continued on through the hospital, shooting at men, women, and children, pretty much anything that got into his way. Mm. And then four days later, we had a B-52 that crashed during an air show practice flight. And both of those incidents, people had been had predicted them. They had been warning their superiors that this pilot is going to crash someday because he had a history of being reckless and unsafe. And they also warned about this unstable airman that he would one day commit violence. And they warned their superiors and the people who could have done something about it pretty much ignored those warnings and and were just complacent. So is pretty it, much in denial. Yeah, so in denial. So I was going to say, is it just kind of one of those things where you, you just can't imagine the unimaginable? Or were people passing the buck on who should have taken an action or what do you see as kind of you know in in our 2020 hindsight what really could have helped in that because we always hear these things oh so and so just snapped you know the guy that just drove down the bike path in new york city uh killing people you know initially they were saying oh it was a argument over traffic and this guy just snapped and and you're here to say no, there are warning signs tiptoed along the way. Yeah, I, I always cringe when I hear that the person just snapped as if they were totally normal one day and then the next they're a homicidal maniac. That's rarely ever the case. There's always signs and, and there are traits, similar traits and behaviors in all of these mass public murder incidents where if people learn to recognize them or knew what to do when they did see them, I think there, it could lead to a lot of intervention. And that's one reason why I wrote the book, so that you could see this troubled airman as he progresses toward his crime and descends into madness. There are clear traits and behaviors that he exhibits that anybody who saw them, they, they could have predicted that he was violent and, and was a danger and a threat and that he needed to be, that, that his mental health issues needed to be addressed. And they were in several cases, but... And they, he was recommended for discharge and for referral to civilian mental health care. But for some reason, people just kept dropping the ball and didn't follow through. It was like they were passing the buck. A lot of uh, politics and bureaucracy were involved in that. Well, Andy, did was there any changes made to the base right after that happened? Yeah, the Air Force did. They did learn some things from this these incidents, and they did change some policies and procedures, but I think there's still a lot more that, that could be learned. And especially in the, not just the Air Force is to blame, but the America's mental health system needs quite a bit of improvement. Even when these people are identified and they are deemed to be a, a threat, it's hard to get them uh, the treatment that they need if, if they don't, if they're so sick that they don't realize they need help, it's hard to, to force them to 
or compel them to receive the treatment they need. So you may but, go ahead. I was just going to say yes, they did. They did make some changes, but uh, I don't think enough has been done yet. That's why I wrote the book to try to get the lessons that need to be learned out there. So was the plane crashed on purpose, or was he hot dogging like you you say he was known to do, and he just he hot dogged a little too much one time? Yeah, it was pilot error. I don't believe it was on purpose. I think he just had a habit of pushing the aircraft beyond its limits. It was a, a B-52 bomber, and he flew it like a single-engine fighter. Mm-hmm. The plane had a 185-foot wingspan. It was larger than some airliners, mm-hmm. and he he would bank it, bank the wings 90 degrees at as low of an altitude as 200 feet and expect that plane to to fly just left himself no margin for error with some of the stunts that he would perform well and it eventually caught up to him the pictures on your website fairchildhospitalshooting.com the pictures of that that b-52 bomber like standing on its wing like you say maybe 200 feet off the ground and then the next slide is it's halfway demolished, crashed into the ground. And then the next slide is just a pile of rubble. There's like literally nothing left of it. It's very yeah, it dramatic. Disintegrated. Yep. He was a an outstanding pilot. It, his maneuvers were impressive. He performed for the air shows at least three consecutive years at Fairchild, and the things he could do with that plane were were awesome. However, if you knew the capabilities of the plane, they were also terrifying because he would uh, fly high speed past down the, the runway and then pull up sharp banking, uh, pitching the aircraft up like 70 plus degrees and mm-hmm. just rocket that plane up into the air until it nearly stalled. He would gain like several thousands of feet of altitude in seconds and then just before it would stall, he would push the nose over and and then regain some airspeed to fly out of the maneuver but Andy in one and of then the, bank I'm sorry in one of the pictures and then did, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead go no go ahead nope. no uh, in one of the pictures it showed somebody ejecting from the plane did that person make it yeah, that was the co-pilot people had um been trying to get this into this pilot grounded they were afraid to fly with him and sometimes refused to fly with him and tried to get him grounded for safety but uh Nobody would listen. There was one commander, Lieutenant Colonel McGeehan, who, when he couldn't get the individual grounded, his superiors turned him down. He forbade his crews from flying with this guy, and he said that he would fly with him if anybody had to. And he was in the co-pilot seat on the day of the crash and attempted to eject at the last minute. And what what you see in the picture is his hatch blowing during the air, during the... uh, the sequence of ejection, but his seat never made it out of the plane. Mm. Wow. So tragic. So this book took you seven years. I I see on your your website here, seven years to write. Um, That is quite, quite a labor of love, labor of necessity. What would you call it? It was, it was necessity. I've been researching it for a number of years, but then spent seven years really thoroughly researching. And then the rest of that seven years was learning how to write and making sure that the book was the best it could be, just to honor the lives of the people who were involved in the tragedies. And just to, I didn't add one shot at making it uh, the best book that it could be. And I'm not a professional writer, so did a lot of studying and, and learning how to write a good book so that's why it took so long and you do a fair amount of speaking about it as well is that right yes yeah i speak to um armed citizens groups and law enforcement groups and anybody who wants to learn more about the incident and and the lessons that can be learned from them i'll give a presentation i was just shocked that that you could hit somebody at 70 yards away with that bread of 92 that was amazing Yeah, it's a, it's a good pistol. It sometimes gets a, a bum rap, but I would usually qualify as a expert when we would shoot the 
to 9 mil for qualification. But I didn't think that we fired it often enough, and I couldn't bring the weapon home. We had to check them in at the armory at the end of our shift. So I bought a uh, clone of the Beretta, a Taurus mm-hmm. 92. I couldn't afford the, the, the real thing on my <laughs> airman's salary. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was similar enough to where I could practice off-duty, and that would enhance my on-duty performance. So I would go out into the woods and, and practice long-distance shots, just shooting at pine cones and pop cans and that kind of a thing. And it, then I would dry fire. I would dry fire whenever I could with just to uh, maintain a sight picture while I was pulling the trigger. And Imagine how many off. lives you saved by being able to make that shot. And, you know, I, I know a, a sergeant that was in the Air Force. He'd been in there for 20 years, and he had never... He hardly ever fired their gun. He carried a 92 Beretta. Like you said, they had to lock it up at night. And they just didn't do much with firearms. So it's a blessing that you were there and and did that extra work. Yeah. yeah. At the time, we didn't do a whole lot of training other than just standing on the line and, and shooting for bullseye. We fired at uh, the maximum distance of 25 yards behind barricades. That was about the extent of our realistic training well thank goodness and i know everybody on that base that uh wasn't injured that day are, are thanking their lucky stars that you were a responsibly armed citizen who took that responsibility to the next step to be sure that you were practicing more than what was um required of you and uh, we are definite promote proponents of that as well So we're going to run to commercial for just a second. And then when we come back, I want to dig a little bit deeper in to the topics that you have listed on your your website, which is FairchildHospitalShooting.com that ties into your book, Warnings Unheeded, Twin Tragedies at Fairchild Air Force Base. And those are um, how our history helps us understand violence and mental illness how we can better empower leadership and accountability, and addressing trauma and recovery. So if you'll stick around through the commercial, we will come back and talk about more of that. Uh, Can you stick with us, Andy? Sure thing. Awesome. Andy Brown on the other side of this commercial. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family-owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. 
Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by EasyFirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are excited today to be talking with uh, a veteran on our Honoring Our Veterans themed show, Andy Brown, who is the author of Warnings Unheeded, Twin Tragedies at the Fairchild Air Force Base. And Andy, thank you for staying with us over the commercial. Sure thing. So we wanted to dive in to some topics that I saw on your, uh, kind of a header on your your uh, website. The website is fairchildhospitalshooting.com. And of course, it talks uh, very much about your book. It's got the... Um, the book trailer, which is something that's kind of new to me, that, that when you write a book, you have almost like a little movie trailer with it. But it's so informative, and I love it. But the topics are taking a look at our history to understand violence and mental illness. And I know that, I mean, the title of your book is Warnings Unheeded. The mission of your book is to kind of help people identify sooner and act sooner when they see something, that they say something. So I'm very interested to lean into this topic for a few minutes and and have you help us understand, you know, every single person out there listening probably has some face that popped into their mind that's like, that that person is a problem. That person is just like a time bomb waiting to go off in some way, right? It has a violent temper or they're bad in traffic or, you know, something. But how do we know when it's really time to say something what do we say who do we say it to and then how do we be taken seriously like what what can you say to all of that Mm, sure um there's a a list in the back of the book the the book is written in a a novel style a narrative nonfiction, so it's not like a textbook but in the back there are some resources and there's a list of traits of somebody who has the possibility of of becoming violent, traits of a possible violent person. And a lot of them are uh, related to mental health as far as a person takes uh, innocent, benign comments and interprets them as a a threat toward them and they they have a a perceived sense of injustice and they have a known target of their of their violence they fixate on an individual or a, a business and um, they have a aggressive personality uh, there's just a, a whole lot of traits and if, if if you read the book you'll you'll see that the individual in this incident he demonstrated pretty much each and every one of those and uh, people did pick up on it they actually predicted that he would come to work with a firearm they just when they brought it to their superiors, they were pretty much ignored. But you just need to bring it to your your supervisor if it's at work or law enforcement. And if if you don't feel like you're getting the response that you need, you need to take it up the chain. There's there's always somebody else who you can bring it to as far as uh, if you need to get your congressman involved or your senator or or anybody. But um, it is something that we need to not be afraid to step forward and bring our concerns to view so that uh, people could take action on them. Well, I think that that's, this list is awesome. I've not ever actually seen somebody, you know, delineate it this way. And I think it's on page 326 of your book, Warnings Unheeded, Twin Tragedies at Fairchild Air Force Base. And I think it's worth taking a look at. And you could actually just kind of tick off the ones that you are thinking about this person uh, so that you, you maybe don't get in front of the, your superior and lose your nerve or forget to say something that's important. Um, so I, I like that idea a lot. Um, it is hard to work up the courage to be, you know, you're afraid you're going to be an alarmist. You're afraid you're going to overreact, right? And then you're going to tell the person who needs to know, and then they're going to poo-poo your, your reaction. So you've really got to have a little bit of a backbone about it, do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Don't be afraid to offend somebody. 
and the guy in your book, the the person that went on this shooting spree, I mean, they were they were aware enough that the cover of your book has a little bit of their medical re- record on it. And in red, you've written, what does the word say there, Dan? We consider this patient dangerous. So clearly people were yep. aware they just didn't act fast enough? Well, that was a document written up by the psychiatrist at Fairchild when he sent him to Wilford Hall, which was an inpatient psychiatric ward in Texas, where he spent 93 days on the board. He was writing up a narrative summary for the doctors at Wilford Hall, hoping that they would address the, the concerns that he had. He clearly knew that Melberg, the gunman, was dangerous, and he even went so far as to arm himself at home, which wasn't something he normally did, but he dug out a, an heirloom rifle and a shotgun and showed his wife how to load them because he feared that Melberg would target him one day, which he was eventually correct. Mm. So there was there was definitely some doctors who recognized that he had schizoid and paranoia uh, symptoms and psychopathy, but um, there were other doctors that disagreed with him and and didn't didn't see it or just didn't uh, think it was to the extent that it was. Mm-hmm. So there, he just fell through the cracks, and, and it's uh, unfortunate. But also, he had uh, his mother enlisted the help of his congressman, and the uh, Air Force might have been afraid to discharge him because they were oh. under a congressional inquiry. So. Oh gosh. Yeah, so then we've got maybe a little bit of politics happening there, or was was the yep. oh, okay? Wow. Well, how did uh, weren't, weren't. how did he get the uh, AK on the base? Did, did, did they mention that? Yep. Yeah, he uh, returned to to Spokane after he was discharged from the, the Air Force, seeking vengeance on the the doctors there, and he bought an an AK forty seven type rifle and put it kept it in the styrofoam case that it came in and stuffed it into a large gym bag and took a cab out to the base. At the time, the hospital and the housing areas that were on either side of it were off base, just outside the perimeter fence. They've since been incorporated inside the fence, but he didn't need to pass through a gate to get to the hospital. So that's Although one if of he the had, measures. He had a uh, transitional assistance ID card that would have allowed him to get through the gate. Anyway, but wow. that's a, Another another warning sign that was ignored was the uh, cab driver that drove him out to the hospital. When he tried to carry on a conversation with him, he realized that, or he assumed that this guy was on drugs or drunk because of his erratic behavior and the way he spoke. Mm. And he also realized that the box that was in his gym bag was a rifle case. So he has this unstable, drunk or drugged individual with a rifle, and he drives him out to a military hospital and, and didn't seem to uh, want to raise the alarm to anybody about it. You know, this Just, this book is going to be a great uh, uh, tool for people all over because you know, even in our gun shop, you know, we have to read a person before we sell them a gun and just make sure that, you know, to the best of our ability that they're okay because we get people that come in angry. We get people that come in intoxicated. We get people that under the influence of marijuana. There's all kinds of things, and we have to be able to recognize these things and say no. And reading this book sure. could help us with that. Yeah, it'll help uh, arm you with uh, the traits and behaviors so you can trust your judgment and even your intuition. Absolutely. Well, we're running a little tight on time, but I wanted to just be sure that we touched on, you know, how how are we better able to empower leadership and accountability? And then what are we doing to address trauma and recovery? Well, as far as leadership accountability, you need to hold leaders accountable when they don't, when they fail to act on something. If they know of a, a threat and fail to take measures to protect people from it, they need to be held accountable so that people in the future will be less apt to uh, be complacent. And also, we need to get away from the political correctness. Like the uh, Fort Hood shooting with Nadal Hassan, people were aware of him being a threat, but they were afraid to do anything because they didn't want to be labeled as an Islamophobe. Right. We need to, need to get away from that and start rewarding common sense instead of uh, punishing people for being politically incorrect. Exactly. 
you know, because there's always that, oh, well, I wanted to say something that comes out afterwards. Yeah. And we've just been put in these boxes of fear that we're just hoping maybe somebody else will say something, you know, and then they'll get the label instead of us. But um, yeah. what yeah. do you what do you say about the trauma and recovery? What what is that piece of of your website and your book? Well, it's something that people may not think about or realize, but uh, pretty much everybody who was at the hospital that day is still touched by the, this incident, and even the people who responded to the, the plane crash. It, it's uh, something that stays with you, and and even on a subconscious level, the memories of it can, can trigger a, a negative response like anxiety that could lead to irritability and such. Just, I was I struggled myself with with guilt from the amount of people who were killed and, and wounded on my watch. Mm. I've since learned that to focus more on the people that I saved than, exactly. than the people who were killed. But you need to be aware that, that you are going to have these reactions if you ever experience a trauma like that and that you need to talk about it and keep seeking professional help until you resolve the uh, the symptoms and the issues. Because there is help out there and, and it, it will get better. You just need to persistent well that's incredible and awesome uh this body of work um the the words of wisdom you've offered us today uh just really appreciate the the time that you've put into this and the time that you've taken with us today and again we thank you so much for your service to our country and uh we just uh, i've not finished the book and Danny's trying to pry it out of my hands so he can start reading the book. So <laughs> we will probably have to just buy a second copy, which is I'm sure would be okay. But uh, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Andy Brown, author of warnings, unheeded twin tragedies at Fairchild air force base. Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Bye-bye now. All right, we'll stick around because we have the vice president of the company, CMG, that helps put on the SHOT Show Industry Day at the Range event. Now, if you're in the firearms industry, you know SHOT Show is amazing. And you know, right? And you know Industry Day at the Range is amazing. And we get to talk to the lady that organizes that. Uh, We have Kelsey Williams of CMG Marketing and Events on the other side of these messages. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knolltown Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I am asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. That's saf.org. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Potty Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at pottygoldestate.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you.
Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. Can we talk about a little upbeat stuff now for a while? We absolutely can, because our next guest is full of all kinds of fun stuff. But I want to tell everybody that we are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Do they have guns in there? They, <laughs> matter of fact, guns, ammo, uh, some accessories, some holsters. Uh, we do gunsmithing, of course, and we're saying that you know, we're having a gunsmithing special right now at thirty nine ninety five to get your gun all cleaned up. And well, this isn't the normal seven Glocks and an AR fifteen in the store, is it? It's kind of like there's a lot of guns in there. We have Luger's and a lot of military oh, stuff. Absolutely. Um, we just this morning had a friend call and say, do you have a Carcano? And Dan's well, like, of course we have a Carcano and starts rattling off all kinds of cool information about it, including that they made a youth style. Yeah, they made them for kids and they actually shot and they were used to defend Italy. That Not the youth version. Yeah. Yeah, the youth they, version? The kids were... So that's why it has yeah. a... A 12-inch foldable bayonet attached to it, and I you. <laughs> I don't remember how. We can't long even the, have lawn darts. I know the. And <laughs> you know, two generations ago, kids are running around with. I was yeah, born in the wrong time. They had, clearly, the, it was a miniature of the regular size Carcano, which was small already, and these guns were. Uh, I wouldn't want to shoot one. Very, yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, we are excited to introduce you to our next guest. We have Ms. Kelsey Williams, the Vice President of CMG Marketing and Events. Kelsey is the lead manager in organizing SHOT Show Industry Day at the Range. Woohoo, we love it so much, uh, which CMG co owns. CMG are the experts in event management media planning and public relations support for clients in the in at the outdoor hunting shooting defense and law enforcement markets welcome to the show miss kelsey hello thank you cheryl appreciate that warm introduction it's nice to speak with you again you as well and you know i wanted to have you on a couple weeks back but uh excuse me you were off in uh italy Yes, I was. I, we were taking a family vacation before everything really geared up for <laughs> Industry Day at the range. So. <laughs> no doubt. I Hi, think. Kelsey. This is Dan. You, do you guys get busy during that time or what? <laughs> you know, I like to sit around, drink my cup of mm-hmm, coffee, and mm-hmm. get the emails as I can. But it's always a fun, fun show to plan, and we enjoy it very much. Oh, man. It's so exciting. Last year was our first chance to get out there and see what all the buzz was about. And it's we couldn't even get to everything so folks that don't have any idea what industry day at the range is and those that really are not going to get a chance to ever find out because they're not in media like we are lucky enough to be kind of describe it and and tell folks what what they would expect out there Absolutely. So Industry Day at the Range is an opportunity for invited media and buyers of our industry to come out and test products before they have come onto the show floor and seen them during SHOT Show. We have a wide variety of exhibits. We say that the range is about a mile long with over 100 different shooting exhibitors including non-shooting, demo track, archery, air gun, almost anything you can think of in the outdoor industry, we offer it at Industry Day. We have over 200 exhibitors, and we have over 1,600 media and buyers that come to attendance. Uh, Just like you said, it's hard to be able to see it all, so we always recommend those who are coming out to the event who have pre-registered and been invited, that they take up all the time they can possibly can and to hopefully see everything out there. Well, Kelsey, I, I went for the first time last year, and I've heard of it before, and I go to the SHOT Show every year, and I go, oh, you know, do I want to go out there and shoot a Glock? I mean, come on, you know. And then, so <laughs> sure. Don't Glocks. No, wait, so, People love no, Glocks. I do, I do. I shoot Glocks all the time. But, I, you but know, you're saying I you get to shoot them right. all the time. So I'm saying, well, why go, right. you know. And then Cheryl said, we're going this year, and I went. And I won't miss it again. It was fantastic. Like you said, a mile long. There's every kind of gun there. There's guns that I shot that I ordered for our store. Yeah, because, that's awesome. Because we love to hear yeah. that. And that's exactly what the day is about. Exactly. So what's going to be, is there anything new this year? 
So we have two new areas this year. We have a conservation corner. We really wanted to highlight our conservation companies within this industry. They're really doing a lot for our industry, and so we wanted to give them an opportunity to display as well. So you'll see them in our non-shooting pavilion, which features over 35 companies there. A lot of these companies are also exhibitors at SHOT Show, um, but they also find that they can really meet one-on-one with the top media and buyers in our industry and have just more time with them than they would on the show floor. Mm-hmm. In addition, we have a less lethal area this year. Mm. And over there, you're going to see a few different demonstrations, some dog demonstrations, um, taser companies, pepper balls, as um, well as some tactical clothing for more of a police officer um, avenue as well. So those are two big new areas to look forward to. Everything else is bigger and better as it always has been, and I think the exhibitors are pumped this year that as they always have been, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they bring out. Well, the less lethal, I think that's really interesting because, uh, like, just New, New Jersey just now are able to even have tasers uh, in their yeah. um, their their state, and so I think that there's a whole market of that sort of thing opening up, and people that. They're all, you know, they know they need to do something for self-defense, but they're not quite sure they're ready to carry, uh, you know, lethal tool with them. So I, I think that's awesome. So what, you know, how about the the poor public that's probably standing outside in the parking lot, you know, like weeping because they can't come in and salivating because they, is there ever going to be, can you ever foresee that there'd be an opportunity for, a, you know, a more public event for, of this sort? You know, I can't say for certain. We do, you know, we are right before SHOT Show, which is our industry's trade show event. So historically, this has always been more for just our industry, but I'll never say never. (laughs) You don't know what my opportunities might come about, um, but certainly for this year and for the foreseeable future, Industry Day will just be for invited media and buyers. Well, Kelsey, what I was impressed with, people from all over the world were at this event. I I met people from Germany and just everywhere we have many many countries that are represented represented out there including from media and then also buyers as well we have received a lot of different international military support from our exhibiting companies that ask to have their international buyers in attendance wow it's just awesome now clearly your organization cmg works with marketing and events works with some of the biggest names in the industry and you've also worked with NASCAR, ESPN, NFL, right? MLB. Yes. So we what, have worked with several, several organizations for sure. So what hope does a small mom and pops have of being able to hire you for your services? Is there kind of a, a cutoff point with, you know, the, the size of industry that you work with? Or organization? Absolutely rather? not. We work with all different sizes. We are a small woman-owned organization ourselves. So we will work with any size organization as long as your needs match what we can offer you and we know that we can be a support to you, then we will absolutely happily take you on as a client. That is so cool. So suppose there's somebody out there listening right now and they're like, oh my gosh, I've got to get a hold of these people because I'm getting ready to launch a new line or I'm opening a second store or something like that. How far in advance do they need to begin calling you? I imagine your calendar stays pretty darn packed. It does. You know, this time of year, especially with Industry Day around the corner, we're a lot busier, but we always have the staff on hand to increase and help somebody out who might need it. A large event, you always want as much time as possible a year if you can. Smaller events, you know, corporate dinners, uh, store openings, a few months prior to, we would definitely be able to handle and plan a great event for you. That's so cool. So you you have, you're at a second location yourself for uh, CMG marketing and events. Is that right? Yes, I am. We opened another office in Fayetteville, North Carolina, not too long ago. And so I'm working here. And while our main office is in uh, right outside of Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, wow. And so I, you know what, I was thinking that you guys were located, you had an office located where the the events take place in, in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. 
We do not, you know, we make um we make site visits when we need, but we have also this will be the 13th industry day at the range. Uh, we have worked with this range for several years, and we're able and our contractors and vendors we've kept the same ones over the years. So we're really able to work with them remotely, and they always do a great job for us. And we always make a couple of site visits out to Vegas prior to. Well, Kelsey, I want to bring up the event again because I'm still excited about it. Last year, we got. We got connected with a magazine loader. I got connected with Vortex scopes, uh, Sonico uh, suppressors. It was a great opportunity for me that I got to actually try the product out right there in the field. And it was awesome. Absolutely, and I'm sure you've been able to gain some knowledge on actually being able to sell those products as well. And that firsthand knowledge for our buyers and dealers is really what keeps them coming back. The fact that they've actually been able to test some of this product before being able to sell it con to consumers. And so if there's uh, media people out there saying, well, I qualify as media, and it's not January yet, so SHOT Show's not here yet, is there any chance they're squeaking in under the wire this year, or do they need to start already looking ahead to 2019? They need to start looking ahead to 2019 and marking their calendars. We have closed the invitation process, but we do highly recommend for them to reach out to those their exhibitors that they work closely with starting in June and say, hey, please put me on that list for 2019. I want to be there. So wait, you, you can't even register for this year? Nope. I better be. I'm looking at you, <laughs> Cheryl. Cheryl? <laughs> Did you, Cheryl? I, I, I'm, I'm on it. Okay. I, yes, I'm on it. And that's great because you know what? You don't overcrowd the place. Yeah, you know, that's important. We don't, I don't think I waited in any lines to do whatever I wanted to do. And, and that's that was, great to hear. Yeah. That's something we've, you know, that is something we've really strived to do. We've expanded the range. So as we expand it, we're able to include more people. But the last thing we want you to do is coming out there, spending your time out there and having to stand in lines half of the day. Right. So that's a great thing to hear. It's so true because, you know, time is everything. And there, when you're trying to get down a mile long uh, track of, of different vendors, it's important to get in, get out and get on with, you know, what's the next thing. So you guys have just done an incredible job of making it smooth, the process of getting registered, of being so organized. And I really want to stress this point. It is such a safe environment. And I really appreciate that because that is everything. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We appreciate hearing that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And I hope I get to, to see you. You'll be in Vegas on that over the event, right? Oh, absolutely. I am there with bells and whistles on. So it's <laughs> hard to, it might be hard to stop me, but you'll see me. <laughs> absolutely. Well, thank you again so much for coming on and talking with us today. Kelsey Williams, the Vice President of CMG Marketing and Events. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you. We'll see you at the range. Absolutely. Bye-bye now. All right. Stick around. We have an entire second hour yet to come where we have two awesome guests. We have Michael Rod Rodriguez talking to us about honoring our veterans and and helping with art therapy and, and you know, re-entering into civilian life as a veteran himself. We also have our friend who lives here in Arizona, right? We have Frank DeSoma. He is the owner of Patriot Ordnance Factory, POF USA, talking about their grand opening. Stick around. hard to beat debt you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up here's an idea sell some stuff at auction start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com the owners dan and cheryl todd have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques collectibles guns coins and jewelry and over their many years in business they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. 
Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. 